DiscerningHearts.com presents The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Europe. He's the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius serves as the prior of St. Anselmo's in Rome, The Life of St. Benedict. With Father Mauritius Fildi, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius. Thank you for having me, Chris. Thank you so much for bringing to us a fuller understanding about who St. Benedict really was, about the man and his experience and, and what he is going to be teaching us through his life. St. Benedict is a fascinating person and you can sense his spirit when you read his rule that he wrote actually for his monks he was probably not thinking about the monks today or the oblates today or people who um, try to live this kind of spirituality but that makes him so special he really wanted to help people at his time and so the rule is kind of the first witness from where we can learn how Benedict was as a human being, as a person. But we have also a second source that tells us about St. Benedict. This is his biography written by Pope Gregory the Great. Pope Gregory lived from 440 through 604, so a little later than St. Benedict. And Gregory was a monk as well. So he started out uh, as a monk and was very drawn to St. Benedict's rule and to this whole idea of monasticism. Later, as we know, he became the great pope. And uh, he, we, we have these wonderful writings uh, from him, and sometimes he shares about the burden to be a pope, and uh, then he says, oh, I would like to be in my monastery again and to have enough time to pray and to have silence. Mm -hmm. So probably he couldn't, as a pope, he couldn't really live the life as a monk, which is understandable, but he still had this sense how important it is to have a cell in our heart at least. And so, in order to honor uh, St. Benedict, he started writing his biography, his life. And it was early enough so that he still had witnesses who were alive, who, who, who knew Benedict. And from all this, he put together uh, the story of his life. And this he put down in the four books of the Dialogues. This is how these uh, volumes are called. And in the second book of these dialogues, we find uh, the life and the miracles of St. Benedict. It is fascinating, just as a side note about uh, Pope St. Gregory, that he, like many others who were, can we say, great reformers in the church, were first formed in the monastic lifestyle. 
And it's almost as though the spirit through the, the church pulls them out so that they can share what they've learned. Mm -hmm. This is a wonderful observation. I would agree. Um, if we think, uh, think of uh, St. Ignatius, uh, he also had a very important encounter in the monastery. Um, I think the reason for this is, is um, easy to understand. The monk is an archetype. That means each of us, no matter if we live in a monastery or not, have this sense of what does it mean to be a monk. The monk is the one who longs for being together with God just by himself, alone, in solitude. He wants to be with God in solitude. And everybody has this longing because this is the destination of our heart. We want to be united with God. And in a way, no, nobody else should interfere <laughs> and can interfere. So I think it's part of being a Christian that we have uh, this monk living within us. I think everybody knows it. You know, we, we have to have our times, no matter if we are introverts or extroverts, we have to have our times where we are just by ourselves. And that is not sufficient. We want to be with God. We want to be with, with Jesus and with Mary in this solitude. It's that listening with the ear of the heart. Yes, yes. When Gregory went about putting together this biography, this this source, because it, I would imagine, became important for many to want to know this spiritual father who passed on this rule that formed their life so substantially. Mm -hmm. Actually, Gregory the Great had a even wider perspective and intention. He wanted to present saints in his books of the dialogues, saints of the then Western world. So there were many saints known in the eastern part around the Mediterranean Sea, but in the western part, that means in Italy, Spain, France, there were not as many. So his intention was to... Um, present as models and as saints to the general public, to the Christians, um, those uh, uh, holy women and men who lived in this western area of the then known world. And St. Benedict certainly was one of the most important ones. So, um, and this is also kind of how I try to interpret this life of St. Benedict. When we read it, we will see that there are many miracles um, presented. And sometimes these miracles, you think, hmm, of this, if this really happened like this, it's kind of legendary in, in, in many parts. But if you read carefully, you can go deeper and grasp the meaning of these stories. And you can grasp Benedict the human being. And this will be 
in this interview and the following interviews will be the focus of of uh, my interpretation of this life of Saint Benedict. You know, there are different ways to interpret it, but I want to show um, how was Benedict as a human being. You could say in his vulnerability, in his brokenness, in his weakness. Because although Gregory the Great tries to put him on a pedestal, in a way, as the saint, and I give you an example for this shortly, um, still we can see that St. Benedict was a human being that had to go through stages of temptation, of development, of growth, of setbacks, of It was really a journey for him. And this is so fascinating and so encouraging for us today that even this great saint who had such an impact on so many people until today had to learn and had to go through trials and God gave him the grace to grow. Where did we begin this wonderful journey into his life? I would like to begin at the beginning of uh, this book, and I would like to read the beginning to you. Some years ago, there lived a man who was revered for the holiness of his life. Blessed Benedict was his name, and he was blessed also with God's grace. During his boyhood, he showed mature understanding and a strength of character far beyond his years kept his heart detached from every pleasure. Even while still living in the world, free to enjoy all he had to off it had to offer, he saw how empty it was and turned from it without regret. So here you can see... Um, Benedict was mature from the very beginning, even as a boy he was a saint. And we find this in many, many stories of the saints. And you could even say when you go back to, for example, Jeremiah or the prophets of the Old Testament, as Christians we believe that we are called even in the mother's womb. So in a way we are, we are saints even before we were born. Mm -hmm. and, and this is true. That is really true. But this does not take away from the fact that as we, as we live on this earth, <laughs> that we still, even if we have this saintly heart that is given to us by God, that we still have to go, as I said, through trials and temptations. And I would like to start with kind of the first uh, episode, the first step he had to do. The biography continues. Benedict was born in Norcia of distinguished parents who sent him to Rome for liberal education. When he found many of the students there abandoning themselves to vice, he decided to withdraw from the world he had been preparing to enter. For he was afraid that if he acquired any of its learning, he would be drawn down with them to his eternal ruin. In his desire to please God alone, he turned his back on further studies, gave up home 
and inheritance and resolved to embrace the religious life. He took this step fully aware of his ignorance. Yet he was truly wise, uneducated though he may have been. What's going on here? St. Benedict was born in Norcia, which is in the middle part of Italy, a wonderful small town. I've been there. Actually, my my um, view on St. Benedict was enhanced and I started to understand him better when I was at these places where he was born and where he lived. So we conducted um, uh, pilgrimages for young people over many years and uh, went to all these places with, with the young people. And Norcia is a is a really nice uh, town in the midst of located in the midst of mountains, not too big, very nice town. And St. Benedict had um, parents that were of um, good descent. So um, St. Gregory says they were liberiori. This is the Latin word, distinguished parents. That means free parents. They, they were kind of affluent. And we can expect that they had a house in Rome a property in Rome. Rome was the the next bigger city, great city, maybe a day's journey at that time. And it would make sense for somebody who is not as poor to have a property in Rome because as for business and, and things you would have to do in Rome, it, it was kind of practical to have a property there. And St. Benedict went to Rome, as we just heard, to start with his studies. What did he study? We don't know exactly, maybe law or just kind of basic studies, philosophy. But at a certain point, he felt disgusted and he, he felt, this is not my place. This is not where God calls me. This is not who I am. Interesting, when you read exactly you hear that he was sent to Rome. This is the passive form here in the original Latin text. He was sent. That means it was not Benedict's decision to go to Rome. What I imagine is that the father sent him because the father had the property there. He expected to have a good exp uh, education for his son. So he was sent there. And the whole journey of St. Benedict will become not to do what others expect him to do, but instead to do what just God wants him to do. So he turned his back on further studies, gave up home and inheritance, and resolved to embrace the religious life. Gave up home and inheritance. In Latin we read, Relicta domus rebusque patris. Patris is the father. So he left behind the father's inheritance. The patrimony. Actually, at this point, Benedict refused to do what the father, his father, wanted him to do. That's a big thing. Because fathers can be very strong in their will, they have their ideas what the daughters and sons should do or shouldn't do. 
and to liberate yourself, to free yourself from the expectation of the Father is a very first and important step to find yourself and to find your vocation and your call. And this is what St. Benedict did at this time. And when he left his the property of the Father and the inheritance, that also me meant that was a dangerous thing. He, he went out into the off, so there was no security anymore. He left behind the the security that the father and his family could provide. But here you can see there was already something that drew him even more, you know, even to the point that he could let go the father and the patrimony. We'll return to the life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Vildi in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming. Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic podcasts dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. In the Holy Rule, St. Benedict, you have said, Listen, O my son, to the precepts of the Master, and incline the ear of your heart, and cheerfully receive and faithfully execute the admonitions of your loving Father, that by the toil of obedience you may return to him from whom by the sloth of disobedience you have gone away. To you, therefore, my speech is now directed, who, giving up your own will, Take up the strong and most excellent arms of obedience to do battle for Christ the Lord, the true King. O Holy Father St. Benedict, pray for us. Amen. An easy way to help discerning hearts is to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our Instagram and Facebook pages are vibrant spaces where you can engage with daily inspirational quotes from the saints, streaming DH broadcast encounters, and updates about our latest offerings. On our YouTube channel, you'll find a treasure trove of video podcasts, interviews, guided meditations and prayers, and reflections from renowned spiritual leaders. These resources are carefully curated to provide guidance, wisdom, and insights that can help you discern life's challenges with a sense of purpose and peace. By subscribing, following, and engaging with Discerning Hearts on these platforms, you're not only enriching your own spiritual journey, but also helping to spread awareness of our mission. Every like, share, and comment helps us reach more people who are seeking meaningful growth and connection. So, please take a moment to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, and then share with a friend. Join the Discerning Hearts community and embark on a transformative spiritual journey alongside fellow seekers. Your engagement not only benefits you, but also contributes to the growth and impact of Discerning Hearts. We now return to The Life of St. Benedict 
with Father Mauritius Fildi. It's interesting, Father Mauritius, that when you actually visit the place where he stayed in Rome, the home that uh, his father provided for him, it actually was in a rather affluent portion of that time period in Rome. It's right on the banks of the Tiber and just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And yet it today it is still venerated, the room where he was in, because in this spot is where his prayer, his his deepening awareness, they, it, it, is it not said that it is the place that is considered the area of his first grace, essentially? Yes. And this often goes together, times of discernment and temptation and times of grace. So as we know, he didn't like it to be in Rome. Although everybody who wanted to make a career would probably like to be in Rome, he just didn't like it, probably because he experienced this contrast, receiving this grace, getting an idea about who God is, who God the Father is, his real Father, kind of similar like what Jesus had experienced when he went away from his parents uh, in Jerusalem and was seeking for his real father's home. So he ended up in the temple, and, and, and Mary and Joseph were kind of upset about this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, But here we see this is, a, this is something that every human being has to go through if we want to grow closer to the Lord, that we have to, be get, that we have to get detached from our father, from our biological and, and, and earthly father. And this is actually what Jesus recommends us to do. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I'm not sure how serious we take this word of Jesus. Uh, Benedict did. He understood, I, I have to love God the Father more than my father. This probably didn't mean that he hated his father. He just said, no, I, at this point I cannot do what he wants me to do. How extraordinary, too, when you look forward over the centuries that there would be others who would respond in a way to affirm that, whether it be St. Francis or even St. John of the Cross who would mm-hmm. teach the importance of that detachment, along with so many others. Yes, yes. It is a basic feature of our Christian spirituality. And I think it pertains to all of us. If we still, as adults, do and pursue what our Father wants us to do, we don't live our lives. And that can make us sick. And it won't make us happy. God has chosen our Father, our Father's to be good fathers to us during the first years of our lives and and later on as well. But we we shouldn't forget that God is the grand, grand father. And our father is just the little father to whom this grand, grand father has has entrusted us. This really speaks to us today too as far as how men father their children in helping them to either do what they think is best for them 
or training them in that that first part of the rule, learning, teaching them to listen with the ear of their heart to whatever it is that God is calling mm-hmm. them to, and then mm-hmm. trying to back off and even detaching mm-hmm. from the child in such mm-hmm. a way mm-hmm. that, I mean, yes, you watch them. It's not like abandoning them, but mm-hmm. you have to detach so that they can do mm-hmm. that. That's, mm-hmm. that's difficult, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's, it's very good that you bring up this other perspective, uh, how does this look from the point of the father? I would say we shouldn't be too afraid as fathers to have an intention for our sons and daughters, to have a will, to tell them what we think would best be best for you. So we shouldn't be afraid to do this. But still, as you said, <laughs> this detachment is also very important from the father's side um, because it is God's children that we received and it is his plan and it has always been very touching for me when my father uh, gave me this freedom and shared with me that he always prayed that God may lead me the way that he wants to lead me and not, not him you know And, yeah, I agree. A good father is able to let his children go. And in a certain sense, and this is different from mothers, and we will come to this in the next interview, there's a slight difference in the attitude of fathers and mothers, generally speaking. Um, In a way, it is easier for fathers to let the children go. So when when the fathers see, okay, my son, my daughter... Uh, has found her way, her journey, her spouse, her profession, her call, then he's happy. (laughs) Then he's happy. Mm -hmm. So there might be a little conflict involved in this uh, time of detachment, and don't be afraid of this conflict. The goal is to be detached, not to break with the father. This is not the goal. But sometimes in between... These can be rough times, and especially, I think it's probably most uh, it's uh, it's probably most difficult uh, when father and son or father and daughter still live together in one place. Or so think about the the farmers here in, in this state. Um, so it it takes a lot from both sides to to lift this detachment, so that the son can really do his thing and really. Um, is encouraged to listen to God, to incline his ear to God. and But that does not mean that the father doesn't play any role. So, But I think both are connected in God, who is the father, and, and this is how it works out. I think we've touched on this time and time again in our look at the holy rule, that even what the abbot, is called in his relationships with those who he serves, that uh, many of those elements, once again, translate into the, the family. Yes, very much so. Children are not our property. So the abbot does not own his brothers. Everybody is a beloved child of God and is immediate to God through baptism already. We have been adopted children. So again, in a way, all fathers are just like Joseph. 
foster fathers in a way. Mm-hmm. We have to let go. But we don't have to be afraid of this because Jesus promises us when we have gone through this process of detachment, we will become fathers again. What do I mean when I say that? Jesus says everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Think about St. Benedict. As you just said, he, by leaving his father, became a father of many. We still call him our Holy Father Benedict. He has, he has become the father of thousands of monks. So, in order to become fruitful, in order to become a father ourselves, we have to get detached from our father. And the other perspective, from the father's perspective, he shouldn't be afraid of this because he can only become a grandfather if he accepts this process. Otherwise, he never will become a grandfather. So this is a spiritual law that whatever we let go for the sake of the kingdom of God, out of love to Jesus, we will receive hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. What more do we experience in this particular aspect of Benedict's life? I think this passage can make us think about our own father and the relationship to our father. So it invites us to reflect on what makes me thankful when I think about my father. It invites us to praise the Lord that he has given us this father. As we do this, we probably will also run across things that we didn't like. So when we think about our fathers, maybe we get a little bit angry too, or maybe sad. When you experience this, just lift it up to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord, share with him and tell him, you know, these were parts that made it difficult for, difficult for me as I think of my father. And then we could also reflect on the fact, what did I miss? What wasn't he able to give me? Because, as I said, these are just the little fathers. I think they were good for us, but there are also things that he lacked to give us. And we have to acknowledge this. And don't be afraid, because there will be second chance fathers. There will be mentors. There will be good men along our way who will give us exactly what we missed with our own father. Because every man can be an image of God the Father. So we, this fatherly love we can receive from different other men as well. So these are just a couple questions that may arise from this passage as we want to follow St. Benedict as he was detaching himself from his father. Detachment means to become free, 
not to break, but to become free. And we can do this by reflecting on what makes me thankful, what makes me angry when I think of him, what makes me sad, what did I miss. And if we bring this into a relationship with, with God, our relationship with our Father will become peaceful and harmonious and fruitful. Father Mauritius, do we make a mistake sometimes in that fear of addressing the things that may have made us angry or other areas that may foster uh, memories of disappointment or feelings of disappointment that we we don't want to address that because that somehow interferes with our our heart's desire to love them. So we want to push all those things aside. Love doesn't have to diminish, even in looking in those ang areas of anger, does it? Oh, I'm very thankful that you bring this up. Because, first of all, we have the desire to love our parents. We cannot other than love our parents. Secondly, it is a commandment to honor our parents. Mm -hmm. And this is why we don't allow ourselves those kind of feelings, that we are disappointed, even to the point that we are angry. So it's a very sensitive topic. But we are talking about detachment from the Father. And St. Benedict shows how he did it. He had the courage to do it by the grace of God. So we should, when we try to recognize these more negative feelings, we can do it with the help of God and courageously. We don't have to be afraid. Because at the end of the day, we will find that our father was just the right father that whom we needed to have. But again, if we would make him like God, this wouldn't be right either. Mm -hmm. And ex we can see the limitations of our fathers exactly at those points where we are disappointed. You know, as a child, you expect from your father kind of everything. He's like God for you. But as you grow older, you, you recognize, hmm, <laughs> he's not really God. <laughs> and then um, you experience these this problems, and that is okay. Benedict experienced it as well. He was probably, he was wondering, why did my dad send me here? Why is he so attached that, to the fact that, to, to, why is he so... Why does he desire so much that I make a career as a lawyer or whatever? Um, so I'm pretty sure there were some conflicts. And I can imagine that Benedict's father was not amused about the fact that what his son was doing, not at all. But again, we have to obey our Father in Heaven. And um, just... One more reflection on, on again, how Benedict achieved or came to this detachment it was because of his prayer. It wasn't mm -hmm. something that in his mind, I'm going to get away from my father or detach from my father, my earthly father. Mm -hmm. It was something that sprung up from his prayer. Very much so. If it would only come from his mind, it would be another ego, kind of. It's, this is not liberating. This is not freeing. Um, this St. Benedict's journey is a journey into real freedom. 
that only can come from God. It is God himself who gives him this idea to pursue a different path. It was not Benedict's idea in the way. It was God the Father's idea. I agree. It is prayer and experience. You need both. Benedict had to go there, had to test it out, had, had to try it out. You have to make your experience. But then you have to look at those experiences in the light of, of God, in the light of Christ. And as you continue your journey, you, you will see it was God who called me to choose a different path. As you said, it was in prayer that Benedict received this idea to stop his studies and to leave Rome. Final thoughts? I would like to express my gratitude that I sense when I think about my father. So I sent him greetings to Germany. Mm. <laughs> And um, my prayers also go out to all of those who don't know their fathers, who have never met their fathers, and also to those who, who had no, whose fathers were absent. Yeah, I pray for all those that they might get to know good men and through them God the Father. I think it, it kind of begs the footnote, Father Mauritius, on that. I'm so glad you brought that up. For those who did not or have not known their earthly fathers, mm -hmm. there's so many, so yes. many now, yes. that that is not to detach even from that uh, self-imposed identity that I am a fatherless one. Oh, this is a wonderful thought. Exactly. Um You can, you can apply this lesson on any kind of fathers, even on absent fathers. And even if your father, for example, has died long ago, you can still be attached to him in your anger, in your sadness, in your disappointment. So the cases you addressed are those when people don't know their fathers, they are probably angry with them. Why didn't show this father? Why didn't he care? And in this case as well, it is important to get into contact with him. And if you cannot do it physically anymore, you can do it in prayer. And try to approach him and try to figure out what this father means for you in your life. And God the Father will guide us in this journey. Thank you so much, Father Mauritius. You're welcome. You are very welcome. You've been listening to The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Feldy. To hear and or to download this program, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, 
which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. Most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Life of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildee.